This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Is there a toxic culture among young Americans relating to diet and weight loss, fostered by highly viewed videos on social media sites? One expert says what's missing from those videos are facts backed by science. These videos kind of reinforce the idea that if you can't lose weight, that you are the problem, that it's your fault, that you should be able to do that. Then, millions of people use the leading brands of detergent and fabric softener to do their laundry. But they may not be the best choices for you. Those popular big-name detergents just aren't really that great for us. You know, they're not really great for the earth. They're not really great for our bodies. And fabric softener and dryer sheets have so many chemicals in them. Those two stories and more are coming your way on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Social media videos can be entertaining, but some have a darker side, promoting false or risky information about diet and weight loss to millions of young people. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now is Lizzie Pope, senior researcher, associate professor, and director of a program at the University of Vermont that's now out with an important study on food, nutrition, weight, and attitudes. Professor, the study found that the most watched TikTok videos on the subject of food and health feed into what's been called a toxic diet culture. So what mistaken ideas do these videos push? I think the biggest one, Gina, is that they make it seem that losing weight is really easy and achievable for everybody. So if you just do a few simple exercises or eat a particular set of foods, you can lose weight easily and it won't take much effort and you'll keep it off forever. But we know that that's not true, that 95% of people will gain back any weight that they lose when they go on a diet after five years. And for some people, it's not possible to lose weight and maintain it. For most people, it's not possible. Now, most of the people watching these videos are teens and young adults. Is it the images on TikTok or what's being said about weight or both that concern you? I think it's both. TikTok uses sounds and puts images to sound. So even some of the just background sounds that are associated with these videos kind of reinforce the idea that if you don't lose weight or you can't lose weight, that you are the problem, that it's your fault, that you should be able to do that. And so it's the sounds that are going with the videos. It's the messaging in the videos. It could be what the creators are saying themselves. And it's also the imaging. So watching people on their weight loss journeys or making food in their kitchens. It can be a variety of the sounds, the images, and the messages. So it's blaming, not just showing you something that's false. It's blaming, actual blaming. Some of what we saw would imply that, Mm, yeah, because they'll say, get up off the couch, like you can do it. And it's meant to be motivational, but I think that if you have struggled with weight for a long time, it would seem anything but motivational. You've noted there's other research on the association between young people using social media and negative eating habits. What sorts of habits are we talking about? Yeah, restricting food, not eating a wide variety of food, restricting or even abusing exercise. Those types of behaviors are associated with social media use, as well as 
basically anything that would quote unquote help a person try to reach this thin ideal that is so held up in diet culture. And what sort of, shall we say, disordered eating habits have you seen associated with this? Restriction, so not eating when you're hungry, feeling like you can only eat certain quote-unquote safe foods, as well as compensation behaviors, whether that's exercising or another way of trying to get rid of what you've eaten. All of those are disordered eating behaviors, but also a warped sense of body image, so how you see yourself and a drive for control. Like you're trying to control one thing and that's what you eat or how you look. And sometimes people go to that when the rest of the world feels out of control. As for many people, it's felt over the last few years. And you have said getting stuck in weight loss TikTok can be a really tough environment. Talk about that. Well, the thing with TikTok is that once you like a certain video, you're going to see more of that kind of video. For example, Taylor Swift released a new album. I started liking videos on TikTok that used her songs, and now I'm deep in Taylor Swift TikTok from just liking a few of those videos. So the same thing can happen with weight loss TikTok, where you like one video that's about weight loss, and all of a sudden, you are seeing so many more of those. And unlike other social media apps, a lot of times on TikTok, you're not just looking at content from your quote friends, you are looking at content from strangers. That's how the algorithm works. So you could be able to see so much content related to weight loss from people you don't even know. We're visiting with Lizzie Pope, senior researcher, associate professor, and director of a program concerning nutrition and diet at the University of Vermont. Their recent research is now published in the journal PLOS One. Many of us have heard the terms ideal weight or even just normal weight, but you're not a fan of those concepts, are you? No, I don't believe that there is an ideal or normal weight that we can apply to all people. I think we each have our own ideal or normal weight, but it doesn't fit in a set range that we could apply to the population at large. Now, how many videos did your study examine and how many views did the most watched videos have? We looked at a thousand TikToks of 10 hashtags related to food, nutrition, or weight. And each of the hashtags had over 1 billion views when we collected these videos in 2020. So by now they have even more. Yeah. A billion with a B. And were there any experts among these video makers? Very, very few experts. That was a striking part of what we found was that there were very few people that identified as doctors, registered dietitian, nutritionists, or trainers even that were giving advice on these topics. So mostly it was people just sharing their personal anecdotal stories, which of course are important. We each have our own stories, but that doesn't mean that what they have found to be interesting or useful will be interesting or useful to someone watching it. If parents want to guide their children to eat sensibly and responsibly and not aim for a goal that might be impossible for them to reach, where can parents find resources to help them and their children? I think for many parents, doing something called the division of responsibility around feeding is a good place to start if you want to raise a more intuitive eater, a child who listens to their hunger and fullness cues and has an appreciation for a wide variety of foods. This is a concept developed by Ellen Satter, and you can Google division of responsibility and you'll get resources on it. But it basically says that parents have control over what's provided for their child to eat and when and where they're providing food, but the child gets to decide 
how much of that food they'll eat. And maybe it won't be any of the broccoli that you provide in one meal, but the next meal it might be some. So thinking about the division of responsibility can be great for parents of especially younger kids to develop strong, intuitive eaters. Thinking about how parents talk about food with their kids or even regarding their own diet and body. You know, are you saying, oh no, I can't possibly have dessert because it's not good for me? If you're talking about those type of messages with yourself or your kids, that's going to impact how your kids think about food. And in terms of social media use, we would really encourage parents to talk with their kids about what they're seeing around food and weight. And bodies on social media. What kind of messages are they getting? Do they have any questions? What are they learning through their social media feed? So don't just ignore it, but try to engage with their child on these topics. And finally, though we've been talking just about eating, what about getting children outdoors and getting them exercise? Aren't too many young people ignoring this approach for slimming down? Well, even if we don't talk about exercise in the sense of trying to achieve a certain body size, I think it's absolutely wonderful for kids to get more time outside and to just play. You know, for a long time as we're growing up, moving our bodies is called play. And then somehow we lose that and we call it exercise or a workout, something we have to do. But getting back to that idea of play, getting fresh air into your lungs can be so helpful for all aspects of health, mental, physical, emotional, social, for kids and adults. So absolutely, if people have access to the outside, a safe spot to be active in their neighborhoods or to go enjoy nature, that's great advice for health in general. Lizzie Pope, Associate Professor at the University of Vermont. Thank you for joining us today with these wonderful tips. Thanks for having me, Gina. It was a pleasure to be here. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, loads of advice from a laundry expert. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. This is 